The Simply 127 Podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, welcome to the Simply 127 Podcast. Today's episode is part one of my two-part interview with my good friend, Paul Bokel. In this first interview, we'll talk about the Bokel's personal journey with orphan care and adoption, and then we'll move on to how God is using them in other ways to care for orphans around the world. Paul, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Howdy from West Virginia. My name is Paul Bokel. I'm a pastor at Redemption Church here in Huntington, West Virginia. One of the greatest joys of my life is being a pastor. But even more so is being a husband uh, to Sarah Beth and a father to Isaiah, Phoenix, Ezra, and Abraham, our four children. I have the joy of uh, sitting on the board of 127 Worldwide and am super excited about what God is doing uh, through this organization and just thankful to have uh, any part at all in what he's doing through this organization. Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. Absolutely. It's good to be with you. Just hanging out in Huntington. That's right. This is uh, not the the center of the world, but it is the center <laughs> of my world in that sense. This is where is all, it's all happened for me, all from birth till till now. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Well, I love just hearing people's stories of how God stirred their heart towards justice and towards orphan care, widow care, and so. Uh, I was excited when I started making a list. You were one of the first ones because I feel like I've kind of gotten to see a lot of your journey over the last four or five years. I guess four years ago we met. Um, So tell us how God first started just to stir your heart towards the vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, it's been a lifelong uh, grace of God in my life. Um, It started, I I would say, with my parents. And that's more of an in a general sense, just the way that they were always uh, pointing my sister and myself, our attention uh, kind of away from ourselves, just in a very general sense, to, to look to others, and in particular those who were uh, marginalized and, and vulnerable. And then also not only on a, on a local uh, scale, although that was certainly happening just around us, through the ministry that they would encourage us to be involved in and the way we would would give our money and things like that, uh, but also globally. And so it was never in particular orphan and, and widow care, but it was those two aspects of my upbringing that we as the people of God are called to, to uh, bring along with us uh, the broken and the hurting and the weak and the vulnerable were to, to, to touch their lives and to, to minister to them, and then also that global aspect. And so that's where it started. But in particular to orphan care, my wife and I, when we first met, so I had always thought of what's it going to look like to have a family, and she had two. And I think most of the time you think, uh, you know, are, are my kids going to look like who they're going to look like, you or me? And we definitely had those conversations, but within all those conversations was us talking about what it would be like to pursue adoption. 
And so we looked at a lot of different options because there's a, a huge domestic need. Uh, there's huge foster care need. But just uh, based on um, where we were at and our discussions with one another and our heart, our global uh, heart, we settled on an international adoption. And uh, so through that story, more than anything else, and there's a lot of events surrounding that that tied us into 127 worldwide directly, actually. It was through that that adoption story. But that uh, process from start to finish, but in particular being in, for us, Uganda, mm-hmm. and meeting our daughter for the very first time, all of the, the uh, difficult parts of bonding, all the beautiful parts of, of uh, bonding and, and be, you know, be going through that process together as a family just in ways that can't be really articulated in words. Our hearts were captured um, for the care of, of orphans, but also through that, in, in all honesty, our eyes were opened up to not just adoption, as an answer to the orphan crisis, but orphan prevention. That there's, that in an ideal world, our daughter's story would have been different. It wouldn't have included us being her, her parents, which leads you to think about mothers and leads you to think about grandparents and leads you to think about poverty and leads you to think about communities. And of course, we, we're not going to fix all those problems. And so adoption and foster care are going to be necessary uh, probably in, uh, in, 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 until Christ returns. Yeah. But what can we do as the people of God to 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 make that less needed by actually stopping orphans from or kids from being orphaned to mm-hmm. begin with? And so that we were opened up to so many things through that. But I feel like the conversation can go a bunch of different ways, even from oh, what you just said. Could. Yeah. <laughs> um, but can you talk a little bit? I know now that you're a dad and you have kids and you're trying to model the same way that your parents did. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit about some things that you guys do. I know we talked last night about having a revolving door in, at your house. And yeah, absolutely. Community. <laughs> yeah. So we do. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're, we're honored anytime we can have people in our home, especially uh, Sarah Beth Fentress, our dearest friend. But uh, no, we uh, we try to as best we can, and this is a you know it's all a work in progress. I think parents would testify to that that you don't realize before you're a parent, you think you're going to be a, a you you know everything about parenting, and then once you become a parent, you realize how inadequate you are at it. So all of this is from a place of, of uh, imperfection and not always being consistent in these ways as we could. But a couple of things we do, a lot of this is geared around the dinner table with our children in particular um, or before bed when we're having sort of uh, a time of worship or a time of prayer or whatever it might look like. That we'll try to, if we're reading something, we'll try to cycle in books that uh, encourage uh, diversity and thinking globally. Um, we'll try to pray for, uh, we have a, a book, it's still in progress, but of uh, different missionaries and pastors and people doing orphan and and widow care all over the world, just to kind of, that's just part of, of what we're thinking about and how the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the vulnerable, the orphan, the widow. When we're praying for 
people, we're not just praying for family, although we certainly are, but we're praying for our extended family uh, It's just a the natural rhythm that doesn't seem So that seem comes unusual. a natural rhythm, yeah. And then just opening our home to as many diverse and different people as we can so that our kids are just seeing that all the time. Um, those are just a few ways. Um, nothing super special, but it's more the day-to-day yeah, so Ends adoption is kind of the daily the daily reminder. Yeah. Now that we've heard about the Bokel's amazing personal journey with orphan care, let's see how God has used them outside of their own family. How has God opened opportunities for ministry to orphans and widows, to vulnerable people? In other ways, I know your church has kind of followed your lead in, in a lot of those things. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the adoption, our, our uh, be- belief in the fact that we actually could go through an international adoption was had already been spurred on by people within the church having watched people do that. So it, it didn't necessarily originate with us, but it was while we were in the process of adoption that we were introduced to 127 mm-hmm. worldwide through uh, Orphan Care Conference in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Together for adoption. Together for adoption. That's where uh, we met. And God's providence in that, it, I could talk about that for an hour, about every single detail mm-hmm. of the story from having first met you and the Britons. And to the point of being in Uganda and meeting Jeffrey the very first weekend we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, He just happened to be. (laughs) He just happened to be in Kampala when we were in Kampala. And and the way that God continually kind of tugged on our hearts to the point where by the time we came back from Uganda the very first time, we had an orphan and widow care partnership primed and ready to go. And we had a church planting partnership primed and ready to go in Uganda where where my wife and I's hearts had already been captured. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, our church was at a place where we were, because uh, we're only 15 years old from core team days. We're only 13 years old from public launch. And so it was only very recently, and, and it just happened by God's grace to line up with mm-hmm. the end of our adoption, that we were ready size and budget wise to actually invest in a deep way in global partnerships. And so came back, shared the vision for both 127 worldwide and for, uh, we're an Acts 29 church. So we believe Mm -hmm. in church planting. That was a, uh, that was even easier. Both visions were easy sales. Uh, church planting was slightly easier only because we're a church planting yeah, church. That's what you've done. <laughs> yeah, that's what we've always done. But but both were incredibly easy sales, and and so that went into the financial budget immediately. So that was the first step was saying we're going to put dollars towards mm-hmm. towards this. Um, but that was not the end of it. But that's kind of how we got engaged in those those directions. Yeah. Then talk about a, a few of your members, or maybe a story or two of. Um, people whose lives have been changed through this process. Okay, so just on a general level, kind of to finish the thought from before, is we were committed from the beginning about it not just being financial. Like we wanted it to be um, more than that. And so uh, we committed to taking taking a trip uh, within the next year. So we went back within a year of, of coming. So that was corporately. 
uh, the entire church uh, had the opportunity. I think we maybe took seven people. But uh, through the through a lot of people were involved in that through giving and uh, investment. So the whole church was a part of that. And then we've continued to do fundraisers and things like that. So, so at a corporate level, that partnership, and I could go on, but, we, but it extends beyond that. But in particular, and I'll share this one story uh, specifically, but I would, I would say before I do that, that there are stories similar to this one, more stories similar to this one. But this is the one that's, that's she's in our, this lady is in our gospel community group and just a very close friend of our family. So it's the one that, that, that gets to the uh, top of my mind first and answer that question. Our friend Taylor Pickin, uh, she went with us on our first trip to Uganda. Now that wasn't her first international travel. Uh, she'd gone before. She's always had kind of a, a heart for the nations. She's a nurse. She's always thought about how nurse nursing could tie into uh, global impact for the gospel. She's always been thinking holistically about her impact around the world. But she was able to go on that trip with us uh, to Uganda. And we were there, I think, uh, nine days. We visited Jeffrey and Nebi mm-hmm. there at Acres of Hope. Uh, and uh, so that was spurred on by, by 127 Worldwide, that connection. Uh, we visited our church plant partner there in Kampala. This past year, year uh starting in the towards the end of 2018 and she just arrived back in june of this year 2019 she spent close to eight months in togo west africa and it had absolutely nothing to do partnership wise with 127 worldwide it had absolutely nothing to do with redemption church partnership wise i mean we helped support her and fund her some Mm -hmm. But that came out of, right, so if you think about the ripple effect of, of what a, a mission trip should do, okay, that it should be beyond just we put some paint on some walls, okay, it should, it should actually be this, this ongoing commitment maybe to specific partners, but also gl- to just this global awareness. So she was, her next trip that she took was to Togo for eight months where she ministered in a OBGYN uh, clinic there through Samaritan's Purse, but what she was actually doing, and, and this is exciting, is she was training Togolese nurses to take over that facility so that, again, and, and sustainability and local leadership being the end goal. So, again, I, you know, I know your heart echoes mm-hmm. and loves that <laughs> idea. My heart loves that idea. And so she was at a place where they were beginning to transition that hospital over. But, again, how that flowed out of of in some way 127 worldwide helped to to spur on her heart towards that and and our global mindedness here at Redemption Church although neither of those things were exclusive contributors they mm-hmm. certainly were part of that story and God used um those things to and that's really what you know one of our objectives is to be a small piece of that puzzle that yeah. God can use to shift people's perspective and priorities and absolutely move and, and, and I mean I could list 6 7 8 other people who have been on those trips who now have come home and and whether it's just through financial mm-hmm. investment or people who have wanted to go back or have gone back for other ministries it just it it does it holds that that ripple effect yeah so yeah um you had talked a little bit about local leadership and you kind of gave away the foreshadowing I that did. that's something <laughs> for me but um as you're thinking about you know maybe speaking to other pastors best practices um 
things to do to not to do when you're looking to form these long-term partnerships give us some uh a quick snapshot of what of what you're looking for yeah i think the what i has drawn me from the start to to 127 worldwide is is what we just mentioned local leadership but to expound on that a little bit i think that we need to hold that as a high priority as pastors that uh, wherever possible, and there may be some very rare exceptions where it's not possible, but wherever that's possible, if we plan to partner somewhere, we need to do our best to partner with local leaders who are there. We don't need to reinvent the, the wheel, so to speak. We don't need to recreate something there. And where where 127 Worldwide helped us with that was having partners, because we also partner in uh, Nairobi, Kenya as well. Uh, Kenyans helping Kenyans, Ugandans helping Ugandans. Um, they know the culture. They know the, um, the difficulties firsthand. They know what works firsthand. They've, they, they know the people. People know them. They already have a relationship with the communities. That list could go on and on and on what the benefits are. And so if you can find Jesus-loving, gospel-driven leaders who are already making an impact globally, then you would, and maybe I'm being harsh, but I think you would be at least somewhat foolish to try to go in and build your own thing as opposed to, to helping what is already there become more sustainable, more successful, more impactful. And so that would be my number one. If you're a pastor, you're looking to partner globally, do all the work you can or have an organization like 127 Worldwide help you do that work to get with local leaders and start there. And then take all your cues from the Word of God (laughs) and the the (laughs) wisdom of those local leaders. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you plan a mission trip or you plan to, to uh, support in whatever way, like so, say you're going to do a, a, a local fundraiser of some kind, whatever it is that you do, don't come in like you're the parent to this local leader. Don't come in like, like you're the boss. This, this is your brother or your sister in Christ, equal partnership. You're equal partners in the gospel. Jesus is in charge. You're not in charge of them. They're not in charge of you. Partner together. Take your cues from them when you're in their context, just like hopefully they would if they were in your context, and obviously submit yourself to the to the Word of God. But yeah. I love it. Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next week for the second half of our interview with Paul Bokel, where we will talk about the importance of theological training in the church for orphan care and even more. 